Well, do you guys just ever have a moment where you think, man, God really knows what's up? Do you remember that phrase? I'm dating myself a little bit by saying that, I'm sure. That's so 2010 of me to say. But every once in a while, I just have this moment where I'm struck by God's knowledge, that perfect way that he works things out. You know what I mean? We read this in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. Then the Lord God said, It's not good that the man should be alone. I'll make him a helper that's fit for him. I like the NLT translation, which says, I will make a helper who is just right for him. Do any of those guys out here, do you ever look over at your spouse sometimes and just think, just right? Come on now. You know deep down in your heart of hearts that it takes a special woman, and I mean special, to be with you. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. You're bringing some stuff to the table here. Hopefully you've got a job, you're willing to do the wrestling with the kids, you can grill, I'll give you all of that stuff. But guys, have you seen your feet? <laughs> That's just nasty. You got some eagle talon toenails. Your toes are pointing in all sorts of weird directions. And we're all just wearing flip-flops all over the place as if we're proud of what we're doing to society with these feet. I mean, that takes a special woman. God knows what's up. He knew that it wasn't good for man to be alone. He knew that. He knew that it's better when we're together with others. And that's not just in marriage, that's in general. We're not meant to live life alone. We're not meant to be in isolation. And that's our topic for today, it's community. How is it that we can open a door that will take us from isolation and into the wide world that God has waiting for us? Because God's word is clear. It's clear that we need community. We need genuine relationships with other people. That's what's up. That's how this thing called life was designed. And in all of history, we see the truth of this being played out. You see that tribes are formed. You see that groups of people get together and they found cities. You see where there's a group of people in a city, they create social clubs and political affiliations, just groups of people together. In Ohio, we can prove this really simply. Let me just hear you guys say, O-H-I-O. You know, if, if you're a true Ohioan, you know that you identify with one another. We identify as Buckeyes. We group together. We build community. We have our own special things. Gamers are a great example of this. You know, people used to make fun of gamers. And they say that they were a bunch of overgrown kids without jobs, sitting in mom's basement. Well, you know what gamers did? They formed a community. They redefined what it means to be a part of their group. And they built a powerful group community, which influences culture and other people. So we've built communities all over the world, all throughout history. And even the most isolated among us, we find all over that we long for connection with others. We have a deep desire to connect to belong, to know someone, to be known by someone. And that desire is put into us by the God who created us. It's not an accident. 
that desire in you, that's not something that's wrong with you. It's not something you need to just toughen up about. It was put there by God. One of my favorite passages is Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Starting in verse 9, we read this. Two are better than one. Man, what a simple statement, but so powerful. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. That is literally why Life Alert was created. You guys get that? I'm, I think the guy who created Life Alert had just read this passage. I've fallen and I can't get up. No. Well, if you have someone with you, you can. In verse 11, we read this again. If two lie down together, they can keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. Listen, I know I'm beating this to death, but being connected to our fellow man is God's design. It feels great when we have that connection where we're known and we know others. But the other side of that coin is that we also have an acute knowledge of when we don't belong, don't we? I mean, we feel it deeply when we're disconnected. We feel that deeply when, we, when we're missing out. I want you guys to try to transport yourself back a couple of years to when you were 16 or 17. Man, I will never forget the heartbreak of a Thursday or a Friday night as a 16 and 17 year old. You know, like many of you guys, the people who had been my close friends for years and years, well, they really started to get into partying around that age. But for me, that age was the deci that decisive age where I made the decision to follow after Jesus. And so, whereas I used to be connecting with my friends and getting that invite to a friend's house on a weekend, well, man, now Thursday and Friday are rolling around and those invites aren't coming. You know, I just knew. I knew that my friends didn't want to invite the Christian kid to the party with drugs and alcohol because... You know, I'd already said no to that in the past, and they respected my decision. They were my friends, but man, to go to that Friday night basketball game, to go out into the parking lot afterwards and watch all your friends hopping into each other's cars and going off to wherever the party's at that night while you drive off back to your house to, to hang out with mom and dad, I mean, you don't forget that loneliness. And maybe some of you guys can put yourself in that place and remember that feeling. It's really rough. And for our high schoolers now, it's worse. Because they don't just see their friends hopping into the cars. They see the social media posts all night long of their friends at the party that they weren't invited to. And as adults, it's not much better. I mean, you get to see the people at the concert or out to dinner together while you're at home. And it hurts. Man, the whole thing's a mess. Loneliness is hard. And that's not even touching how our culture views singleness or being unmarried, the choice of celibacy, which the Bible can calls gifts at times, but which often leaves people feeling disconnected and left out. And here's my last thing on this, okay? Because I know I'm really trying to make a point here. 
But a recent survey by a huge insurance giant really drives this point home to me. On anonymous surveys, people responded that they were either sometimes or always feeling lonely three out of five times. 60% of adults in the US either sometimes or always feel lonely. Among 18 to 22 year olds, the time when we should have a lot of relationships, the number was 73%. 73% of 18 to 22 year olds responded by saying they're sometimes or always lonely. So what's the answer? Well, as usual, the answer is in God's design. It's in God's plan and it's called biblical community. All month long, we've been going through Acts chapter four and we're going through our series called Valor. And as we look at the early church and we look at God's design, we're taking a look at all of these different things, bold prayer, bold proclamation, bold evangelism. And today we're covering a bold community. And that's what we see. So I want to jump right into Acts chapter four, starting in verse 32 this morning. And here's what we read. Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. And no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own. But they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them. For as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to each as any had need. So here we read about the church, which has just come together for the very first time. I mean, we're talking a few weeks after Pentecost and the resurrection of Jesus is still fresh. And I mean, I want you to get back there. It's important to note there's no church building, all right? There's no assigned seats. There's no proper length for a sermon. Forget singing the right worship songs. They're busy writing the first worship songs. And they're trying to figure out this biblical community thing together. And so this morning, what I want to do is I want to walk through this and see what we can learn. So starting in verse 32, here's what we read. Let's focus just on this little section. The full number of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. So as a church, how do we get to a place where we are of one heart and one soul? Well, we have to start with authenticity in community. And so this morning, wherever you're watching, I want to encourage you to be taking notes and I want you to write this down. Real biblical community requires bold authenticity. Real biblical community requires bold authenticity. Being real is very important and very hard because we get into this trap where we think it's better to look good and be admired than to be honest and receive support, love, and help. And this is just a basic misunderstanding of the gospel. This misunderstanding says that it's important to have it all together and to be admired in life. But this leads to dishonesty. It leads to whitewashing. It leads to a lack of transparency with each other. 
And the gospel of Jesus is all about being honest about our faults and reveling in God's grace, celebrating God's grace. But our have-it-all-together, image-conscious mentality will just lead us to isolation with our faults and with our failures. It becomes our own personal pain and struggle that only we know about. And we suffer alone. And as we suffer alone, we kill community. Because we can't be united when deep down we know we're just an actor on a stage playing a part. And at that point, after years or months or weeks or whatever of feeling like an actor on a stage playing a part, we run from biblical community because it's exhausting. It's tiring to play a part, afraid of being found out as a fraud, afraid people will see through this facade of perfection and find out that deep down, you're a sinner. You're imperfect. You have problems. Well, eventually most people will run from a church if they're not going to be authentic. And they'll look at that church and, and they'll visit and they'll say, well, it's filled with all these perfect people. And deep down, they know they're not perfect. So deep down, they know they don't belong to a community filled with perfect people. And they're tired of pretending to be perfect, just like the church around them. So apparently church isn't for them. God doesn't work for me. Do you see how this idea that we have to be perfect, that we can't be authentic with our faults and our struggles, either individually or as a church, if we portray that, leads to problems. It leads to division. Now contrast that with real biblical community, which is authentic. This is unique because it involves people who start from the premise that we're messed up and that Jesus is merciful and that we need our brothers and sisters. And if we're honest about our failures and faults, no one's going to beat us up. No one's going to think less of us because of it. And I want to be a part of a church like that. And I've been here at Covenant for 10 years. Pastor Travis isn't pretending to be something he's not. He's not up here pretending to be perfect. He admits failures and faults. He leads from a place of authenticity. I know our other leaders here, we try to do that as well, but it takes work. It takes work to be authentic. It takes boldness because it's scary to put yourself out there. But we need our brothers and sisters to remind us of God's grace. We need our brothers and sisters to lift us up, to correct lies that we believe. And man, we so often believe the lie that Satan tells us that if people only knew the real me, they would reject me. When the truth of Christ is that if you are allowing your brothers and sisters in to know the real you, man, you finally finally get to experience real community. That's a beautiful thing. And when we are authentic, we can be of one heart and of one mind. So that's point number one. Real community involves bold authenticity. Now let's jump down to verse 32. Acts chapter 4 verse 32. Let's keep going. The back half of this verse says this, And no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own. 
but they had everything in common. So looking at authentic, bold community, here's what we see. Bold community, real biblical community requires bold sacrifice. That's point number two. Real biblical community requires bold sacrifice. Now that's a scary word. Sacrifice is a scary word if you're outside the biblical community. But inside the church, and that's a beautiful word, sacrifice. We read that Jesus sacrificed his life for us. A follower of Jesus should really be familiar with this idea of sacrifice. In scripture, we read that we should be sacrificial in giving our money and giving of our things. We should be sacrificial with our food and our lodging. We should be sacrificial with our time. We should give our lives for others. We should be giving of our mission for God's mission. As Christians, sacrifice should be a way of life. It should be following in Jesus' footsteps where he tells us that it's better to give than receive. That it's no loss if we lose our lives for Christ's sake. Because in the process, we discover real life. That's sacrifice. And we see the followers of Jesus in Acts in the early church with this bold community. We see them following the sacrificial teaching of Jesus by voluntarily giving what they have to those in need. And by the way here, all right, because there's controversy, and I'm not going to get into it very far, but whenever you see someone saying that Jesus was a communist because of this passage, just remind them, this is voluntarily sacrificing things. And in fact, if you just read ahead, you read the story of Ananias and Sapphira. And, and it's a tragic story, but it, it tells us something important. And in this passage, Peter says to Ananias and Sapphira, he says that nobody was forcing you to give this money. Why would you lie about that? Sacrifice is a choice in biblical community, but it's something that creates authentic relationships. It creates real relationships. It's a beautiful thing. And listen to me, listen to me, focus in because this is important. This is how it works. Because when we are, uh, when we are bold with our authenticity, we are known well. So when we are so well known because we've been authentic, and so well-loved, because we've loved and shown each other grace, that my brothers and sisters in Christ that I know will sell their things in order to help me, that's a beautiful thing. When I'm so well-known that people know of my need, and so well-loved that people sacrifice in order to help me, that's a beautiful thing. That's bold sacrifice, and it builds real community. That's point number two. So we have two so far. If we want authentic, bold community, we know that we need authenticity and we need sacrifice. Now, this is our final point for today. So I want us to jump down to verse 33. And this is what we read. With great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. Point number three for today is that real biblical community requires bold mission. Real biblical community requires a bold mission. And the early church had a mission and a purpose that I think we've often lost in today's sanitized church culture. 
Day in and day out, they were obsessed with telling people about Jesus. They were going to follow the teachings of Jesus. They were going to spread the gospel. This unified them. It emboldened them. And I often wonder if we as a church have traded this authentic, sacrificial, mission-minded community and instead we've turned it into something much safer, all right, much safer, but way less effective. And listen, I can understand that. I can understand wanting to take out the lion's claws and his teeth because that would make the lion a lot safer. But without teeth and claws, is it really still a lion? I can understand wanting to take out the authenticity and the sacrifice and the mission out of the church of Jesus. But at that point, we have to ask, is it really the church? Our church culture in America has become something other than what God intended. We've made it about the building. We've made church happen at 8.45, 10, and 11.15 each week. We've made it all about the pastor. But it was always meant to be something different. It was meant to be a community of people united by the blood of Jesus Christ, united in their authentic love and sacrifice for each other, and united around the mission of Jesus. And you, you were meant to be a part of that mission. And you might think you don't have anything to offer, but guess what? God knows what's up. And he said, you're meant to be a part of that. You were created for a community like this. You were built for it. But man, so often we have chosen faux community. <laughs> faux community. I remember going to Washington, D.C. for an eighth grade trip. This was like the big deal as eighth graders. We, we went from Worcester, Ohio to Washington, D.C. on a charter bus. We saw the monuments. We flirted with the girls. We, we saw where Lincoln was shot. But the biggest thing about this trip was the Oakley sunglasses. Man, now Oakley sunglasses when I was in eighth grade was the status symbol. So sleek, so stylish, and so expensive. I couldn't afford them. None of us could afford them. But the rumor was in DC, you can get a pair of Oakleys for like $10. So you've got busloads of eighth graders who are looking around trying to find somebody selling Oakleys. And eventually, we find them. We find a guy selling them out of the trunk of his car. Oakley sunglasses for $10. And I mean, the entire charter bus of eighth graders from Worcester was rolling around for the rest of that weekend looking just so fresh in Oakleys. Just like person after person would empty out of these buses wearing their Oakleys. It was hilarious, man. We, we emptied out that guy's trunk. But within a few weeks, we realized that the Oakleys were actually Folkleys. And that's what we started calling fake Oakleys. And we realized it when we compared it to the real thing. We got home and we had a friend who had real Oakleys and we saw that ours were a little bit heavier. That the logo was a little bit off, the paint chipped, the nose piece kept falling out. I mean, it looked pretty good as long as you didn't stare too close. But but it wasn't the real deal. And so many of us are settling for 
faux church. It's church every Sunday or every other Sunday if we're busy. It's a church where we're comfortable, we're content, things don't change too much, we don't rock the boat. It's a lion without claws and teeth. But it's not the real thing because we're missing out on the life-changing nature of bold Christian community. And deep down, we might really want the real thing, okay? But we also might be willing to settle for the knockoff and pretend that it's the real thing because it costs us a little less. Because there's no authenticity required. Just a, hey man, how you doing? On a Sunday a few times a month. There's no sacrifice required. Just the occasional 20 into the offering plate when convicted. There's no mission that draws us into God's plan and messes with my plan. There's nothing that forces me to rely on the Holy Spirit. It is the out of the trunk in DC version of real church. But that's not what God designed. And so my question for you this morning as we conclude is simple. What is stopping you from stepping into real community? At Covenant, we're not a perfect church, but but we have tried to create small groups so that you can be known and know others in an authentic way. We create times during our small group where we can talk in very real and safe areas about what's actually happening in our lives. And with that authenticity comes a willingness, the challenge to sacrifice for my brothers and sisters and for the mission of the church. We get to be involved in that. Our small groups are are multiplying small groups. Our small groups themselves have a mission. Each sea life leader, each small group leader, we want and we challenge them to be training an apprentice leader to disciple another person in the way of following Jesus so that that next person can start a small group in a new neighborhood, to build new relationships, to evangelize and teach others. I want to encourage you this morning, if you've only ever experienced Sunday morning, Sunday is just the start. It is a small piece. It is not the totality of God's design for a biblical community. It's a small piece. And yes, to join into authentic biblical community requires a little bit, but God knows what's up and he says it's vital. He says it's not good to be isolated. It's not good to be alone. And so by choosing to enter biblical community, you are turning a handle on a door and that door will lead you to to outside this small little world that you've been living in and into the wide world that God has for us. You've been sequestered and safe inside your bubble that you can control, but man, you've also been missing out. There is a whole world of mission, of friendship, of brotherhood, of sisterhood, and a mission that's waiting just for you. Would you pray with me? God, we just thank you so much for giving us community God, help us in our quest to be authentic. Help us who have been isolated, who have been afraid to share about our lives, our struggles, our past, to step out of this place where we think we have to have it all together. And God, instead, to move into a place where we know we can be authentic. 
God, I pray that our church would be a place of bold authenticity, of bold sacrifice, and of bold mission. And in doing so, Lord, I pray that people will experience community the way that you designed it to be experienced. I thank you for my brothers and sisters in Christ, my friends, people that I consider family, people that I know would sacrifice and have sacrificed for me and my family. And God, I pray that each and every person who attends Covenant, who is visiting Covenant, who is watching online, would jump into one of our small groups so that they can know others and be known in turn. Jesus, thank you for inviting us into your mission. God, we love you. And we ask that you would continue to work in us, that we might be a bold, valorous church. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.